think about the amazing nature of the existence of God and how we could possibly understand or explain such a thing. So science takes a look at the world in which we live and then tries to explain like the way that it works. And so scientists come together and they say, hey, this is what light is. This is how fast light travels. They describe light. And this is what gravity is. And here's how gravity works. And they explain it to you. Okay. And, and, and psychologists, and this is what happens inside the human mind. And historians, this is what happened in history. So there's this constant pursuit of an explanation of the circumstances, uh, the the individuals or the people that we that we that we that we know that we work with, and that helps us understand what's going on around us. Right? Science helps us understand the world in which we live. Helps us, as I was preaching on Sunday, it actually helps us um, have a, a sense of control, right, over the circumstances um, um, that we find ourselves in. It really helps us. Now, I, I want to, for you to just spend a moment, and I, I know that you guys have been doing this all uh, semester, all summer long. You've been looking at different attributes of God, but I want you to just spend a moment just kind of thinking about what the existence of God might even look like and how we would begin to even speak about Him. It's funny to me that uh, those people who do not believe in God are known as what? Atheists, which, which means what? Do you guys know? Atheists. So a theist is somebody that believes in the existence of, of, of God. A polytheist believes in what? Poly, many gods. An atheist, which I know sounds funny how you would say it, right? But awe is just the word for not, right? I'm a not theist. I just don't believe in it. Which is interesting because remember when Moses met God? And, and Moses said, now who am I going to say sent me? God's response was what? Say that. <laughs> you get it? I am. That's who I am. Think about that for a moment. Atheists doubt the existence of God. And, and you might even, even go back and take a look at what is known as the tetragrammaton or the four letters, tetra which we would, would pronounce this as what? Yahweh, or Yahweh. Um, and, and you can even go back. Some, some uh, uh, linguists go back and they actually believe that Yahweh may come from a root um, that in Hebrew literally means the being, like existing. And so God's nature is just something that just, and think about this, think about how this matters, right? God's nature is just something that is. Something that can't not be. You ever thought about that? Like we're sitting here trying to understand what God is. And we're going to try to use words to articulate that. But just to stop and to marvel at the existence of God. I, I use this as an example. And I don't know why I get hung up on this as the, as the, as the metaphor. But if I were to say to you, hey, could you please explain to me? I've never had a peach. Can someone please like explain to me peachness? Can someone do that? Anybody want to give it a shot? Well, tell me what a tell me what a peach. I, I need I need peachness. 
I, I want to know what it's like. Can someone explain peach? It's a nectarine with hair. <laughs> okay. I have this kind of half fruit, half rock star image. You know what I mean? No, but what does it taste like? Sweet. Sweet. So like chocolate. So not like chocolate. Like uh, like what? Like no, I need the peach part. Tangy. Tangy. So like ketchup. <laughs> no, but is it ketchup tangy? Ketchup's not tangy. No, I would never call ketchup. Okay, so what? Okay, then explain to me tangy. Can, can nobody explain to me what peach tastes like? You ever thought about this? What was that? Can you hand me one? So what's interesting is, and I want you to think about this for a moment. I'm not trying to get all weird or philosophical. But there are actually some things that in order for you to understand, which we often think in terms of our mind, cognitive. Okay? For me to understand, we go, well, you mean in our heads. But no, there are some things that actually need to be experienced fully. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not stupid. I mean, I don't think I'm super smart, but I'm not stupid. Why? I mean, who's stupid, you or me, that I can't, you can't, like, translate peach to me? Well, some things can't be known like that. Think about that for a moment. So my wonderful wife is here, Andrea. Can someone tell me about Andrea? And you would. You'd say, uh, it's a she's a girl. <laughs> and you could tell me how old she is and where she was born. You could describe her family or her upbringing. You could even begin to describe attributes about her. Okay? And then after you were done for a few moments, Max, her son, could talk about her. Haley, her daughter-in-law, could talk about her. Ashley, her friend, could talk about her. Allison, her niece, could talk about her. And then I, I, would, I would do this. I would say, after that, I would go, yeah, but she's not just that. Do you understand where I'm going with this? Like, she's not just that. Do you really think, like, you could understand Andrea? How long would it take for you to try to understand Andrea? Like, wouldn't you have to be with her all the time? And wouldn't you have to not only, like, spend time talking to her like this, but wouldn't you have to, to really know her, wouldn't you have to, like, get, like, up in her head? And know what, know what she's feeling to really understand where she's coming from? I'm, I'm really, I swear to you, I'm not trying to weird you out. Do we really know anybody? Huh. Have any of you ever been surprised by something? You thought you knew somebody. I thought I knew you. And then this happened. For the good or for the bad. You ever, ever had that happen? Do we really know anybody? Now, by the way, I, I will tell you, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. To try to pretend somehow that I don't know Andrea is foolish. But do I really know her? And then you stop and you go, wow, like I, there's, I, I guess I really do know her, and yet simultaneously there's a lot I don't know. And I would even say there's a lot I can't know. Fair? Tell me about God. Will you do that? Will you, will you tell me about him? See, if we don't spend time like just overwhelmed with the mystery of him, right? I mean, my wife is the, my favorite person in the world. Of all the people in the world, she's my favorite person. 
for lots of reasons, okay? And yet she would be the first to admit this. To try to compare her to God is pathetic. Right, honey? Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> like it just doesn't match. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It's, it's, almost like, it's almost like they're two different beings. It's almost like they're fundamentally, like at the very core. Not, not that one is not a reflection or a, uh, made in the image of the other, but when it really comes down to it, it is a fundamentally different thing. And, 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 and that's what we're trying to do this entire summer. And we're coming to a close. Like next week is the last week, right? And we're trying to say what God is like. And if somehow you walk out of here, or if somehow you walk in on Sunday morning and you think you know what God is like, give me an attribute of what God is like. Give me not, just give me any attribute. It doesn't have to be the ones that we studied here. Just any characteristic of God. Your favorite. What is it? Impeccable. Oh, seriously, Anthony? <laughs> Fine, we'll go with that one. Impeccable. First of all, explain it to me, because I don't understand that word. He can't sit? He can't sit? Sin. Sin. Okay, good. I was going to go, okay. I, maybe he can't sit. That's kind of weird, though. He can't sin. Okay. I knew Anthony would come up with that one. Impeccable. Kind of a cool idea. What else? What do you got? Anything a little less lofty than impeccable? What? What was that? Faithful, which means what? Explain faithful to me. Constant, never changing, um, trustworthy. Okay. Anybody else? Who said that? Righteous. Okay, which means what? Always right, never wrong, which fits really, really well with like impeccable. And actually, I can even see how the like the faithfulness of God comes in, right? Like if if you are not faithful, you'd be wrong, and so God's never wrong so he would never be unfaithful which means he would never oh those, those three actually did you guys have a meeting before yeah. did anybody else have something another attribute of god like you can make a simple one like have you ever heard that god is love mm. like that's an interesting one now here's what's interesting like what do you mean by love how many of you think you know what love is raise your hand you can raise your hand if you think you know i think i know i think i know what love is and then God is described in the Bible. Okay, do you remember the book? 1 John, John 4. God is love. Doesn't mean that love is God, but God is love. And so I go, oh, okay, so God is like uh, my wife and the feeling that I have for my like. Okay, what is love? Now, I want you to kind of get a sense of that because if you ever walk in to a conversation like we're about to have tonight... And to think somehow that we're going to get to the end. Here's my problem. You knew you weren't going to get to the end of this. But we sometimes act as though we can get to the end of this. So you, uh, you simultaneously know you can't and, and think maybe that you at least got close. And I would even argue in the gap between God, okay? So I'm talking about the fullness of who He is.
How, how far apart do you think those two things are? Okay, and I, honestly, I would even say, I mean, there might be a few of you better at me than this. I mean, there really might be. Better, you have a better understanding of God than I do. I- experientially, cognitively, effectively, all of, all of this together, sure. So we'll, we'll, we'll pick Anthony. He's better than me. So Anthony's understanding of God. Fine, you want to do that? We can do that. Anthony's understanding of God. Have we really advanced the ball that far down the field? Think about that for a moment. So even as we're trying to explain or get a hold of this, and and by the way, do we know anything about God? And the answer is what? Yes! Don't slip into some kind of, wow, we can't know anything. No, no, no. There's a lot here. Right? The Bible doesn't say, and we can't know anything, so why are we trying? No, the Bible talks about knowing Him and Him revealing Himself to us. So let's think about that for a moment. So everything that we know about God, we know because what? He chose to reveal it to us. And by the way, the Bible actually says that the best picture of God is what? Jesus Christ. Who though being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be held on to. So he emptied himself and he gave it up and he became and he became and he became to the glory of God the Father. Like he is the exact representation of his being and everything that was made by him and for him. Without him, For without him nothing was made that has been made. Holy cow, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? So it's, it's good for us as we begin to try to talk about this to kind of hold on to this. Now, one other thing I want to say rather quickly is this. Remember that language has limits. I like to use this as an example. What is that? You know the answer, don't you? You've seen me do this? Oh, you haven't seen me do it? I thought maybe I did it on Tuesday morning. What is that? What is it? Come on, you know. (laughs) It's not a dog. You think that's a dog? So if I cut it out, can you put like a string around it and take it home? Yeah, some of you would. I don't doubt it. What is that? It's a word. So that's not a dog, is it? Like it's nowhere near like a dog. It's a sign that points to something, correct? But by the way, Max, you have a dog, right? Haley, you have a dog. If, if they were to show me a picture, what is that? You would say that's a dog. No, it's not. It's a picture. So Okay, fine. So bring in their dog. Hey, here's a dog. Is, is this what... Is this what a dog, yes, that is a dog, but you do realize, like, that's not all of dogness. Like, that, not every dog looks like that, right? So here's what I want you to get a hold on to. There actually is a limit to language. Language butts up against things and can only communicate so far. That's why we need experiences. That's why you can't, you can't literally describe blue, You can just show it to me. You can't describe peach. You can just show it to me. And so I want you to hold on to this. And so there is a limit to language as we even move forward because any good study of God kind of leaves you going, I don't know if I learned anything tonight. I I would even argue, any really good study of God says I learned these things and I walked away and I felt like if I moved an inch, God moved a mile. Which, by the way, puts you closer to him. 
but any good understanding that somehow, think about this statement, makes God less, i.e., in your mind, now you know Him. Really. So there's three words that I want you to think about. The first one, and this is about language, okay? Have you guys, has, has Ryan or anybody given you any of these, these three words? Okay? This is kind of known in terms of how communication happens, and it's known as the phenomenology of language. Okay? So when we describe things, how do we describe things? The first one, the way, way we could describe things, is called univocally. A univocal form of speech says there is a one-to-one ratio, a one-to-one comparison. We speak exactly the way things are. And some people actually think that's how we speak. I don't know how they get there. So in the end, and think about it. Tell me what God is like. And someone says, he's like a father. Is that a one-to-one, univocally? No, it's probably not. And even what describes God, the arms of God, the, 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 uh, the everlasting, God is a rock or God is a shepherd. What am I using when I say that? Am I using analogies? So that's not univocal. So whenever you look at God or whenever you look at any kind of reality, you can try to speak as though there's a one-to-one correlation. And then you can try to speak in that second term there, analogously or using analogy. And where you, when you use analogy, what you're, what you're stuck to do, it's stuck to do, be do be, what you are limited to do is this, is you're trying to explain something, what's God like? He's like a shepherd. And um, when he leads me, there's really nothing that I want. And he like takes me beside like still waters and gives me like something to drink. And he... Um, with, with uh, like a shepherd would have like a rod and, a, and they would have a, a rod to kind of defend against and a staff to lead. He kind of does that with me. And I'm using an analogy, right? Like you even know to go, oh, okay, like God's really not a shepherd, right? So do you see that? There's these analogies that we constantly use, okay? The problem is, is that every analogy breaks down and analogies get really loosey-goosey, okay? It's almost like, they are, they are so vague that in the end, it's like, if, this is, if you never saw a dog and this is all I could give you, do you realize the gap between those two things? Okay? Too, too, too much. And if I said, well, he's, okay, a dog would be like a, okay, it'd be like a, I guess it'd be like a horse-ish thing? Cat, cow thing? Kind of somewhere in the middle? And you're going, for those of you that know what a dog is, you're going, yeah, you're not getting there. Right? It's too loose. The last one is known as the equivocal way of speaking, which means that we speak with enough approximation that we can understand, and then it can still go further. Okay? That we can speak, and there's enough that we can know. So it's, it's closer than analogy, but it's not as close as univocally. And so therefore, we speak, not, not that we wouldn't use analogies to help, but in the end, we speak with a degree of what is known as approximation. Does that make sense? I walked in. Actually, it was you. I walked in one time, and, and Eric is sitting there, and he's like, dude, I'm trying to figure this out. My, I'm a scientist, or whatever you are, uh, engineering scientist. And he said, but the problem is I can't account for, what was it, 10%? I can't account for 10% of where the heat exchange and the dissipation of the modulation of the, and he used all these fancy words. I can't account for 10% of it. 
And I kind of, I'm at Aspen, and I look down, and there's Brian Elbing. Do you know, do you guys know Dr. Elbing? The guy's like, really smart. And Dr. Elbing is down on the corner, and I yelled, hey, Brian! <laughs> and I, he, goes, he goes, what? And I said, hey, my buddy here can't account for about 10%. Have you ever worked on, like, some kind of scientific, brilliant thing? Um, can't he just do, remember that, can't he just do plus or minus 10%? Like, you do your whole thing, and then at the very end, if you can't account for it, just go plus or minus 10%. Do you remember what Dr. Elbing said? Dr. Elbing said, I have written a formal paper that said at the very end of the paper, he said this. <laughs> Is that not crazy? Dr. Elbing did that. What's he saying? It's complicated. So what I want to do tonight as we talk about the God being timeless or eternal, I mean, honestly, it's, it's good for us to just stop for a moment, recognize the limits of language, recognize, and, and just be, and you'll see why I wanted us to begin with almost this overwhelming, almost like, uh, I, mean, I, I kind of want you to feel a little sick to your stomach. I really do. Like in awe of just how, not just big, but just how like different God is. And how much you'll never be able to get. And even asking, like, are you okay with that? Are you okay with kind of leaving some, quote unquote, like on the table? Because how many of you have heard something like this? And then when we get to heaven, we'll know all of it. Have you heard stupid people say that? <laughs> I've been, I'm one of those stupid people that have said that. I've probably even said that. You're never going to get to heaven and know everything. You would have to change, like, your nature. You'd have to become what? God. God. <laughs> He's the only one that knows everything. So you'll never know everything. You'll never know. You'll never even know. You, you could not. Like, you're not the right kind of being to know God fully. Do you understand that? And so I want you to get that as we spend a little bit of time talking about this. So here's what's interesting. To transcend is to what? To transcend something is to what? surpass, to be greater, to be over. So there's two concepts. Whenever you do a study on God, you will find that there are two ubers, two, um, two, uh, two overs for God. Okay? And the two, the two ways in which God is transcendent, over, is actually two things that happen in your, your special little world, right? Which it is, it's time and space. God is over transcendent, kind of like greater than time and space. Now, one of these, and I asked, I called Scott today, and I said, hey, like, I don't want to really talk about this, but the two are, the more that I began to study, like even theologically, the two are actually tied together. So God being transcendent over space is known as what? Omnipresent. God's omnipresence, God being omnipresent, means what? That God is everywhere. Now, I, I want to say this, because since, since nobody's talking about it, I asked God if I could go into it a little bit, and the more that I began to even think through this, the more I began to realize, wow, that totally relates to his eternal nature. So God is everywhere. So let me, let me challenge you on this one. Can God, can God be in the presence of sin? Thank you. And I want to apologize for those years in which I taught improperly. 
I, I just wasn't thinking. I, have you ever, ever said that, Scott, something to that effect? I have. And then I'm really glad that I kind of thought about it and thought, well, wait a second. What do you mean God can't be in the presence of sin? That would mean like there's a lot of places like God couldn't be. Can you imagine God going, man, I'd love to know what's going on in there, but I heard there's bad things. <laughs> so there's like a, like a force field around it, and I can't see. So Eric, would you go in and tell me what's happening? Because I can't see inside of that. Like, do you realize how dumb that is? So here's what's very interesting. So God, being in the presence of sin, means what? That actually... If we're talking not his ontology, but like his functionality, when God is in the presence of sin, without him restraining himself, God in the presence of sin does what? Destroys it, punishes it. That's what we mean when we say God cannot live in the presence or be in the presence of sin. It's actually better probably stated, we as sinners cannot stand in the presence of God. But let me tell you this, not even just as sinners. Think about this. If God is everywhere, how could you be in his quote-unquote presence? You would have to be what? To be truly in his presence, what would you have to be? You'd have to be everywhere. If not, it's just kind of like spot. Does that make sense? So God's omnipresence, literally, what's, what's, so, fa what's so fascinating is, it takes... I promise you, it wasn't Eric didn't put me up to all of this. It, it doesn't take, like, space and then... Ex How many of you, when you think of God being everywhere, you take God and then you just spread him out throughout the space? That's not what it is. It's not... And this is, this is, very, this is very important. We're not, like, pantheists, right? Which is that God is in everything. That would be a pantheist. We actually believe that not that God is in everything, but that God is transcendent, which means he's what? Over everything in terms of space. Does that make sense? God is over all of these things. So God is like, oh, basically what we're saying is, space is something that God had to make for us that he doesn't necessarily need. Okay, can I just say this for, think about this for a moment. Think about something that doesn't, have like a space. Think of non-space. <laughs> think of like a smart aleck. No, wait, that's my thing. But think about, honestly, think about, you're right, you would have to go to God. Like God, and, and by the way, this is what's interesting is that, so even when we say God is spirit, what we really aren't talking about is like a different form, although form's not a bad word. Do you see the limits of words now? So do you mean like he's like air? No, because air has what? We're talking something that is non-spatial. <laughs> okay, I have no idea. How do you get... What is this God you're talking about? Now do you see like the problem when we just try to go, like I know God, and let me tell you about God. Like it, if we first just don't go... I, I think if you just spend a little bit of time, I remember being a little kid, um, and I would drive with my dad, we had to go, go back and forth, uh, my sister was sick, and so we're driving to the hospital all the time, and I still remember sitting in the front car, no uh, seats, or uh, seat belts, and I'd sit right up close to him, I remember looking out into the night sky, and I would ask, like, Dad, how far does that go? And my dad would try to describe, like, how far space would go. Have, how many of you have ever thought about, like, 
when you get to the edge of space what's on the other side of that? Have you ever, have you ever tried to do that? Like, how do you get to the end of space? Like, even if I were to describe it, well, it's more like a circle. Okay, this is the part I'm talking about. <laughs> like, what's there? And the answer is, well, nothing. We don't know where that is. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Right? God is omnipresent. To try to talk about him in another way, God being transcendent over time makes him, this is a little bit of a technical term, you may not even be used to this term, but I want you to now think about this. God is omnitemporal. Or some might say omnitemporal. But not, and not, not the kind of um, uh, you know, chicken or fish that you want at like a, a, a sushi place. I'm not talking tempura. I'm talking temporal. Say T-E-M-P-O-R-A-L. That's funny. Well, not quite hysterical, but it's funny. God being then, so if God is over, if God is everywhere, so here's the word I want to use, okay, if you don't mind me using it. God is everywhere. Does that make sense? God is everywhere. Like all the time. Everywhere. If he's everywhere, and that's what is, is over space, then God is everywhere. Does that make sense? Now, now I want you to try to think about that. How can you be everywhere? <laughs> uh, one more, and I'll ask you to leave. <laughs> now, what does that mean, actually? I want you to think about that for a moment. How would you understand the God being everywhere? What does that even mean? Like, in the same way that you can understand being in two places at one time, how can you be all the time? You understand what I'm saying? And that is kind of the nature of God. To, and by the way, I would even say this, to the best of our understanding. Because we're going to go back and we're going to look at texts, and then as we look at those texts, we're going to go, well, is that what the Hebrew word means? No, not really. It's actually, because the only way they can really talk about God is by using, like, analogies, and the only way that we can really talk about God is by trying to compare him to other things. Like, the only way that we can really do it, it's not like in the definition of a word. It's more like in the, in the expression of the individual. Okay? So for those of you that really understand math, and, and I, might, I might actually get this symbol wrong, what is that? What is that? No, but what is that? It's a logical fallacy. But actually another way, I mean, other, another you could say it is what? Just, no, just infinity. That's just still just infinity. Okay? So what's that? Interestingly enough, that is no more, I just don't draw that symbol a lot. Those are the same number. Does that make sense? So when we begin to talk about God and we begin to talk about in terms of how space or time in, in, in no way can begin to like limit or restrict him. Can you imagine not being restricted by time? And I don't mean, oh, you mean like a time machine? How many of you, you kind of like time machine shows or movies? I love them. I love them. How many of you, after you watch one for five minutes, you go, yeah, but what about if they would have done this and this? And then you begin to realize... 
like it doesn't work. Right? How many of you have realized rather quickly that the whole thing is actually nonsensical? Why? Can I give you a tip? Here's why I think it's nonsensical. It's nonsensical because the only true being that could actually do things like that would be someone that could be everyone. Someone that is not somehow limited by. Because if not, it folds on itself. Does that make sense? And by the way, even when I say that, there, 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 are, there are levels of this that I do not understand or that I cannot even appreciate. And I'm totally cool with that. Okay? So those are the two concepts of God being transcendent over time, omnipresent. God being transcendent over time, omnitemporal. Okay? So then there are two perspectives of eternity and in terms of God's nature. Um, and so should any of you get fascinated by this, C.S. Lewis in uh, uh, Mere Christianity talks a little bit about this, trying to explain God in terms of his eternal nature. Um, and, and then the philosophers really talk about it. Two of the most interesting philosophers that talk about the nature of God in relation to time, interestingly enough, are Plato and Aristotle who have two kind of different views. Uh, again, they're not trying to explain the God of the Bible. They're trying to understand what they would call the one or the being, which is, interestingly enough, kind of like his name anyway. But, so the first thing is the idea that God is not bound by time. And so a word, a word to describe that is a word that we already see, which is the word eternal. Now, here's what's interesting. Basically, what the concept of eternal means is no beginning, so forever that way, and no end, forever that way. Not immortal. Immortal means cannot die. God is immortal. Okay? But, but by the way, like I would even say we're immortal. Okay? So the, I believe that what we even share in terms of God's nature is a bit of an immortality, so to speak, at his, at his, uh, at his kindness, right? His gift to us. So the eternal nature of God... Okay, and and we'll, we'll, we'll let me let me just give you the next one, then we're going to kind of jump over. Um, so then the other the other concept that Aristotle held that's kind of a Platonian concept here. Okay, is that God is in fact no beginning, no end, and kind of rides above it. God rides above it. So time and space are something that you and I go through, but it is not something that God goes through. I'm going to actually hold on to this idea because I think it's what it describes it best. Then you have the second term which is the idea of everlasting. How many of you have heard about that God is everlasting? Okay. And the idea of everlasting, kind of theologically and even, even biblically, is that God had no beginning and ultimately will have no end, but that God himself is with us in 2019. Okay, now this gets a little philosophical. And the Bible doesn't quite give us enough. As, I mean, even when you look at the number of verses that you use. I, I went online um, this afternoon, actually probably or late this morning, and I, I literally just typed in like extra Bible verses on the eternal nature of God. And they were so loosely tied to him. I thought, okay, well, that really doesn't say anything. Like John 3.16. And he who believes in him will have eternal life. Yeah, I mean, sure. I guess I, guess I know how you got there, but... I don't know if John 3.16 is trying to describe the nature of God as eternal. Does that make sense? So there's, there's not as much of it as you would think 
And so I've picked some in some really critical junctures to hopefully help us give us an understanding of this, okay? But by the way, I want you to, I want you to wrestle with this for a moment. Is God, uh, Ryan Vincent, when he loves to talk about the eternal nature of God, he's boiling off of an Augustinian concept that God is, uh, God is uh, in what is called the eternal present. Meaning that God, <laughs> this is an amazing thought, but if he can be everywhere, it's not hard for him. That God is literally at all the times fully like he is in at all the places fully. Okay, so God was yesterday and now and tomorrow simultaneously. How do you do that? Like Michael J. Fox couldn't even do that in a DeLorean. Like how do you do that? And the answer is what? You need to be a different kind of being. Okay? So some people, and you can understand where they come with this, right? That God actually is stuck in 2019, just like we are. But God, in his understanding, can do what? Can go all the way back. And that God, in his being, also knows perfectly what? That's the concept that God is everlasting. So theologians, again, the words don't necessarily mean this. So it's, it's not like a linguistic answer. But the idea of God in terms of how he works, some theologians, philosophers, believe that God is eternal, i.e. above time. And, and some people would say he is in like what is known as an eternal present. And others say that, no, 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 God is kind of more everlasting. He has no beginning or end, so they're not debating that. But God is not in time like we are, if that makes sense. That to try to put God in time is to try to like put God in location and it just does, God kind of breaks out of that kind of a very simple model of both time and space. Does that make sense? And so that's kind of what the Bible is teaching. So if you turn over the page, by the way, that's kind of that part right there. <laughs> so the eternal nature of God. Um... You're going to kind of spend some more time at the very end kind of, kind of thinking through this a little bit. Um, but do you, I guess, do you guys kind of... Let me ask you this. So when you think about God, do you think about Him more over? Or do you think about Him more kind of going through with us with like a perfect memory? Which one would you say you've defaulted to in the past? Anybody want to kind of just share... You know, it's just, honestly, it's just kind of what you thought. It's, in that sense, I don't know if it's necessarily right or wrong. I think the Bible doesn't really give us an exact answer on this. We're trying to understand what God is like. Good luck, humans. Right? Which way do you think you kind of thought of God? If I were to ask you, which, which one? Okay. Okay, good. No, that's a, great, that's a great way to put it. But honestly, can you think about this? Think about it in terms of like, how many, have any of you heard something like this? Like God, when he answers our prayers, is, is, um, is what, what do we say about in terms of him late and early? God is never early, but all, never. He's always on time. Always on time or seldom early, early, never late. Yeah. Like, I want you to think about that. For, I mean, you guys have heard something like that? You know, the idea that, really? 
Like God, in His nature, is like He was almost late. If I were to say to you that God is seldom early but never late, which view do you think I believe in? Probably the second one, right? Like God's going through this with me and He just... He just knows. Like, for example, how does God... There's a big debate. This is where it gets even more interesting. Have you guys heard of, of something known as open theism? It's what? That God learns. That God doesn't know everything in the future. That God knows everything, but He doesn't know everything in the future because the future has not happened and therefore it is not knowable. So when the church, or when the, when the Bible describes, or the early Christians describe God as knowing all, sure, He knows all that is knowable, but He can't know things that are not knowable i.e. the future. So therefore, God is going through time like we are. Okay? That's a whole, that's a whole philosophy, by the way. And, and what's fascinating is, do you know why they like, you know why certain theologians like that? So that I can still have free will. Because if God knows what's going to happen, then what do you think you've lost? Does that make sense? How many of you heard that? God knows what you're going to do. Therefore, what? You don't have a choice in the matter. That's, that's what they're trying to defend. We just don't come up with stupid ideas about God to defend things. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I, I, think it is, I think it is brain dead, and I've had some, some fascinating conversations and some fascinating study through that whole idea. But they're wrestling with how God acts in time. But I like how you said it. Like, sometimes I see God over it all, and then other times it's kind of like He's going this through me, or He's going along, uh, along with me through this, but He just knows where we're going, Right? Like, not only does he know where we're going, <laughs> he doesn't even look at it like us. Does that make sense? So, by the way, it, I'm not, I don't even want to try to make it out like, like this one's terrible and this one's awesome. I, I think I get what, I, I just I want you to know about both of them. I, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I lean, I, I think as I look at the scriptures, this seems to describe him better to me. I don't think you're a heretic if you do this one. I, I think this is, this one might explain it a little bit better. And, and, and we're going to end with these kinds of ideas, okay? Would that change how you would pray to him? If you had a better appreciation or understanding of his eternal nature. Would it even help you almost be a little bit, when I say comforted, I don't mean just in your heart, but in your, like in, in, in you, to know even how like God is sovereign. How is God sovereign over all things? Well, I mean, space isn't a problem for Him. <laughs> Time isn't a problem for Him. Right? How does God answer all of our prayers? Right? Like if we all prayed right now, and not just us, but everybody in the world, how does God hold that all together? And I'm not going, well, the good news is he can kind of hit pause. <laughs> you so don't understand who God is if you think somehow he's like trying to keep up. I mean, think about that. How many of you kind of have an idea like God trying to keep up with us? Like all of us, not just you. I mean, you know God can handle you, but all of us? Man, that must keep him. How many of you heard people say that? God must be really busy. How, <laughs> how would God be any more busy? Do you understand? I mean, do you understand who we're talking about? 
and this is the eternal nature of God. So what I want to do as we close is I want to just I want to read these texts, and I want to think about some some thoughts in regards to it. So if you don't mind, I, I wouldn't mind it if like everybody kind of grabbed one. Um, so I'm going to say it real quickly, and then I want you to to go to it. So who wants Genesis one? Just raise your hand. So I can say it's taken. Who wants Genesis 1? Somebody. Thank you. Uh, Job 36. Who wants it? Got it. Uh, Psalm 90. Got it. Uh, Psalm 139. Got it. Isaiah 44. Max. Ephesians 3.21. Ash. 1 Timothy 1.17. Hebrews 1, 11 and 12. Griff. 2 Peter 3.8. Carly. Jude 25. Which, by the way, means that there's no chapters. Just a verse. Jude 25. Thank you, Monica. Revelation 1.8. Allie. Okay. I, I, wanna, I want you to read it. And then we'll literally just spend a few seconds trying to think about, like, like these are the texts that we use to try to explain all this amazingly deep stuff. Okay? I uh, can't remember who had our first one. Go. So I, I could literally just kind of put the first three words or four words. It took me a second to count them up. In the beginning, God. So there's nothing else. That that kind of describes. Which have you ever spent time wondering? Like, well, who made God? How many of you wondered about that? Who made God? Silly person. Go back and research this. Okay? There's some fascinating, rather deep... You know that there needs to be an uncaused cause in which all other causes are dependent upon. You can't have an uncaused cause cause. Okay? Aristotle has written on that. Some great philosophers have written on that. You actually need, like, the first letter of the alphabet because without a first letter of the alphabet, you can't have an alphabet. Does that make sense? You have to have an A. And therefore, you have to have a something that actually has always existed, philosophically speaking. Right now, I'm asking you to trust me because I don't have time to go into it. And honestly, once I talk a lot about it, I get lost. I'm serious. The nature of the uncaused cause or the nature of the unmoved mover, it is also called Aquinas is written on it as well, gets rather deep, rather interesting. You walk away going, oh, that makes sense, I think. Okay? But in the beginning, God. So what was before earth and heaven and stars and sky and before there was space, before there was time, what was there? That describes his nature, God. Job 36, 26. Surely God is great, and we do not know him. The number of his years is unsearchable. <laughs> so really, all that, I mean, you could go, well, he, that just means he's really old. <laughs> no, it seems to be saying more than that. The number of his years is unsearchable. Psalm 90, 1 through 4. Caleb. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, whatever you have formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust, and say, Return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but yesterday, but it is past over the watch. <laughs> what I find fascinating is if you notice that the majority of these are almost like poetic. It's almost like if I need to talk about him, I kind of need it to be highly figurative and rather like emotively driven where we just kind of sit back and go, wow. Right? Isn't that interesting? How that's 
kind of where we go when we talk about things that we don't understand. We usually have to sing them. No, but honestly, that's why like when I get all wrapped up and how much I love my wife or how much I love my kids, it sounds like a Hallmark card. It's just kind of the way it, it's kind of way it happens when, 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 when uh, our understanding goes beyond our ability to understand. We, we have to move into more of an analogous experience. I mean, it's kind of that, it kind of works that way. Next, Psalm 139. Eric. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you, the night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Okay, good luck understanding God. Isaiah 44, 6. So I, I, love, I love, whenever I think about the Isaiah, the prophet, he loves to go, um, yeah, God looked around and there was no one else there. <laughs> right? He, he counted the people like him and there, the answer was, there's none. Which I think is hilarious that like Sam Harris is going to debate his existence. Ephesians 3.21 So it's another way that we talk about it. For how long? Forever and ever. Which for us, we just really mean a really, really, really long time. If you ever just stop and think about forever and ever. First Timothy 1.17 Now to the King of the ages, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, the honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> it's, it's when Paul talks about it, he has to break into praise. Did you notice that? Immortal, invisible, God only, you know, all of a sudden this huge, why? Because I'm talking about him, and then my mind went crazy. <laughs> That's what happens. Hebrews 1, 11 and 12. Isn't that cool? So everything wears out except for God. Which goes back to your faithfulness word. It's really kind of a, it's a huge concept. I'd love to actually do some more talking about what I'd like to refer to because I love the, the surprise of the word, but the predictability of God. Because predictable, you should think of as boring. Except if it's God, you really want it. How many of you want to be able to know that when you see him, you can trust what he's going to do because he's already spoken? Right? How many of you don't like relationships where the person that you're working with is unpredictable? Right? You might think, well, it's kind of fun. Yeah, for a while. <laughs> as long as the fun is, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to McDonald's or Burger King tonight. You know, that's fun. But when you're talking about, I don't know what I'm going to get when I come home, that is destructive to relationships. I would argue, like what Andrew and I struggle with is, our unpredictability. Does that make sense? And God is faithful, steadfast. Chesed in the Hebrew. Uh, 2 Peter 3.8. We just got a few more to do. So please don't pretend that's like a formula. Okay, that's not what it is. It's not a formula. What's he saying? Like time doesn't, like God doesn't do the time thing. You need the time thing. I need the time thing. 
God doesn't need the time thing. So how many of you, how many of you ache as to why is God waiting so long? You know that's what the Second Peter 3.8 text is all about, right? You're wondering where God is. You're wondering what's taking him so long. It makes you wonder if he's even going to show up. And what does Peter say? Like, do you understand like God doesn't work like that? Like, how many of you, like, that would even, like, if you really begin to think about that verse, like, it'll comfort you? I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I don't have a lot to say this, you know, being a minister and all, but there are sometimes I go, oh, it's been 2,000 years, maybe? Okay, no, he's real. It's been 2,000 years. Okay, but it's been 2,000 years. But what if it's another 2,000 years? Right? How many of you know people that kind of want to give up on God because it's not working and the time thing is really throwing them off? A better understanding of the eternal nature of God, I think, would correct that. Jude 25, Monica. Isn't that cool? Before all time, now and forever. Amen. Notice how many of these end with amen. Which, by the way, literally means, uh, I had a Greek professor who used to make us translate it, heavy thing, heavy thing. Which means, amen, doesn't just mean let it be. It actually means, like, wow! Like, there it is. That's kind of what amen actually means. It just is like, boom! Drop the mic. It's kind of what amen Last one, and this is one of my favorite verses, Revelation 1.8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, first and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. I, I was and I am and I will be forever. That's who God is. And so I want to just end with this thought. I, whenever I teach Revelation, I love to remind people Hey, listen, like I get it. I get that there's a lot of cool things to worship. Heard your boyfriend's really cool. And if he actually is like from beginning to end, um, then I would build your life around him. If not, I wouldn't. No, I I get it. I get you're really excited about your education and you're really so excited because you're going to get a degree. Like that's awesome. And if that degree is like forever and like will last from beginning to end, then I would say you really do need to build your life around. It's not. Okay, no, I get it. I get it. Kids are awesome. Kids are great. I get it. No, 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 you're right. And kids, like, if, but by the way, if, like, kids never leave home, and if they always promise to be around, and they're from beginning to very end, then it makes total sense to build your life around it. No, I get it. I get it. It's like America. It's been around for a really, really long time. Right? Like, I'm telling you, what should you build your life around? The Bible doesn't say, well, you should, because if not, God will get you. The Bible says this, just give me something greater than him and I'll worship it. Give me something that is, um, that is more than him and I'll worship it. Because whatever is, listen, whatever was and is and will always be, whatever that thing is, I think it is worthy of our worship and our admiration. Last thought. The gap between God and Jim and Anthony's thoughts, when it doesn't, when I can't close the gap, this is what I believe, and this is, well, I, I don't think this is why, because I, I don't know why. Well, except for the fact that we just can't because we're different beings. 
But what, what this does is that I spend time and it causes me to wonder. Right? Like how many of you spend some time just kind of wondering tonight about God in terms of His nature? And you know what's very interesting? You know what wonder causes us to do? Like to worship is to be absolutely amazed and overwhelmed by and like attracted to and enthralled by. Does that make sense? That's why it's not crazy. It's ultimately stupid, but it's not crazy to go, man, I absolutely love, and you name it. Man, I love, and you can think about your sports person, or you can think about somebody who's really gifted in your field, and it really causes you, you're so amazed at how amazing they are, causes you to, and, and I'm just saying God is the only thing you never stop wondering about. So when we go to heaven and we see him, whatever it is that we see in him, about him, like, do you realize that's why that there will always be more, which then cause us to what? Worship Him. For how long? You want to know why? Because we'll never get to the end of Him. If you could get to the end of something, I used to be absolutely impressed with people who graduated from high school because I didn't think I ever would. And then once I got my high school diploma, I thought, man, anybody can get this. So I went to college, and I thought, man, now those guys are brilliant. And then I kind of finished college, and I thought, oh, really? They're all idiots too. And I just kept on... But whenever you achieve something that somebody else has achieved... What do you do? You kind of go, no, I, thought, I thought it was a bigger deal. It's not as big a deal. Correct? You'll never get there with him. Kind of fun. Scotty. Scotty.